Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its instructional value. Thank you for the life that it brings. Thank you that it's a mirror that we can look into and turn away and go and apply what we've uh, seen that needs to be changed. Thank you that it's, it provides a standard for us. It instructs us, it guides us, it leads us, and it gives us a foundation that we can build our lives upon. Thank you that your truth doesn't change, that it's not shifting sand, that your truth is absolute, Lord God. Thank you for the practical nature of your word. May you speak through me and to your people as I speak this message in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our church and in our lives. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, it's a joy, the joy, a, a privilege and an honor to share this word with you. We're continuing with our series on building God's way. And I'm going to be looking at the second part of my message um, where I was, uh, where we were actually looking at Mark 12, verse 28 to 33, when Jesus is giving us foundations that we should build our lives upon and in this particular portion of scripture if you remember from last time um, Jesus is answering one of the scribes and describing and telling him what is the first of all the commandments and Jesus says to him the first of all the commandments is hero Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and then he goes on to say that and this second is like it um, and is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these and the scribe says to him well done teacher you have well spoken for there is one God and no other but he and to love him with all the heart with all the understanding with all the soul with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And if you remember last time, I'm hoping that most of you um, listened to the message from last time. If you remember last time, we looked at what it is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we started that message by unpacking what Jesus means when he says, um, you should love him and what it looks like in Jesus' mind when he says, love me. And one scripture, one example of what it actually means to love the Lord our God is seen in John 14, 15, where he says, if you really love me, you will keep or obey all my commandments. If we love the Lord, then it means that we will walk in obedience to his word and we really unpacked that um, to a great depth last time and so I want to encourage you if you didn't listen to that message please do so I'm not going to do that today I've already done that um, yeah so today I'm going to be continuing um, unpacking what Jesus gave us in those commandments when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that portion is the portion that we are going to be unpacking today. And I just want to look at a few other scriptures that we find in the New Testament um, 1 John 3 verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 4 verse 7, beloved, let us love one another for lovers of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 1 John 4 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And last time, I asked the question, what does this love look like? If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, is it a feeling? Is it an emotion that we feel? Is it an outward expression or something on Sunday only? How, how do we know what this love actually looks like? And so that's, that's where we're going to pick up the message today. How do we know how to measure this love, the love that I'm supposed to have for my neighbor, this love that Jesus was talking about? How, what does it look like if I was to capture it on a camera, if I was to have a standard, a 
tangible, objective standard of what this love looks like, what would it be? And so that's where we are today. I'm going to pick up um, this in Romans 13, verse 8 to 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So here Jesus is saying there are all of these instructions, these things, um, actually in the Ten Commandments that you, you, were, you were told and instructed to do. But I'm saying that if you love your neighbor, all of these things you will do if you love your neighbor. So love is the fulfillment of the law. And last time we discussed this and we said how in the charismatic church we've become very unclear and hazy in our thinking around what the Lord expects of us in terms of love and in terms of loving Him, yes, but today we're discussing in terms of loving others. And His Word is very clear on His principles, His standards, and His will, the measure of His love. The measure of His love, the measure of the love we're supposed to exhibit toward our neighbor, toward others especially in the body of Christ is should be seen in our day-to-day obedience to his word in everyday situations our day-to-day obedience in everyday situations to the principles and teaching as revealed in the word his Bible because remember last time we discussed that if I love the Lord I'm going to walk in obedience to his word and Jesus has laid out many principles in terms of how we are to relate to others and what love looks like like in relating to others and that's what I want to unpack today that's what I'm going to look at today what does God's word say about how I should relate to others what does God's word say in terms of um Um, the standard in terms of how I can know that I'm really walking in love toward others how do I obey his word and in so doing love God and love others and the the first scripture I'm going to read through before I get down to nitty-gritties is 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7 so this is the first scripture in terms of practical standards that I can use to measure and to make sure that I'm walking in love toward others. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And this is a really great scripture for us. We could actually preach our whole message right there and and stop right there because I think most of us, if we're really honest with with ourselves and relating to people, we we need to go back to the scripture and apply some of it to ourselves and it's a great measure but I'm wanting to break it down even further into nitty-gritties and specific relationships to help us to bring about certain changes in our lives and to help us to understand what God's standard really is and I'm going to look at um, different relationships uh, in the body of Christ predominantly but it can go outside that and I'm wanting to to look the first group grouping is my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm going to look through a number of different things that scripture says concerning my relating to my brothers and sisters in Christ and as I do this I want us to bear this in mind uh, these scriptures in mind and these standards in mind even as I continue to look at other relationships like spousal relationships like parent-child relationships and so on and so forth because these scriptures regarding how I should relate to my brothers and sisters in Christ also apply to my marriage relationship because my spouse is also my brother in Christ. For some of you, if you men, your spouse is also your sister in Christ. And so these scriptures also apply to that. I know it sounds may sound strange to you, but 
it's not that these scriptures also apply to those relationships. My child is also my brother, my son is my brother in Christ at the end of the day. These scriptures apply in that respect to how I relate to my son. And so I'm going to, the, the, the bulk of the scriptures that I'm going to be looking at are found within this first category of how do I uh, measure and make sure I'm walking in love to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can apply them to the other categories that I get to later on. But the first category that I'm wanting to look at is brothers and sisters in Christ. So the first Number one, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The first um, thing that I'm wanting to encourage us regarding is that we edify, we encourage, we exhort, and we comfort one another. And this is found in a number of scriptures. Um, Romans 14 verse 19, Therefore let us pursue the things for which make for peace, and the things which, by which one may edify another. So I'm wanting to encourage us, are we pursuing the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another in the body of Christ? And remember that um, pursuing things which make for peace, it means that um, I'm a peacemaker and being a peacemaker is not the same as being a peacekeeper at all costs. Sometimes we have to go through conflict or we have to go through disagreement to get to a place of true peace. There's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Sometimes a peacekeeper at all cost may, it may cost them uh, their inner peace in order to keep the external peace. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who edify um, and encourage, but are peacemakers. They're willing to speak the truth and to go through periods of discomfort in order to get to a place of true edification, which is speaking the truth in love, which is encouraging, which is exhorting, which is comforting in truth, not by um, being fake and lying. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Comfort one another, edify one another. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Romans 15.5, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10 24 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So this should be our mind seven days a week. These things can't be limited to the four walls of a church on a Sunday. This must be our general disposition toward our brothers and sisters in Christ um, throughout the week. And this is when the church rises up powerful. This is when relationships go deeper, when I'm actually cognizant of people outside of my little family, my little us four and no more. It's not meant to be, we're not meant to be uh, just focused on my own breakthrough, my own Christian life, my own stuff, my own needs, my own. We're also supposed to be outward focused. Okay, encouraging, exhorting. When I come to church on a Sunday, I don't come to get my own breakthroughs and, and, and needs met. I don't do that. I come with an attitude of, Lord, how do you want to use me today to bless people? Father, is there somebody here that you're wanting me to give a prophetic word to? Why? Because that is my gift. That's what I carry. One of my gifts. That's what I carry. Lord, use me to be a strength. Use me to be someone who edifies. How do you want to use me to encourage your people? Each day of the week, have that attitude in your heart. Whether the person comes to your church, goes to another church. Father, how do you, you're in the parking lot picking up your kids. How can I be a strength? How can I edify? Do you want to use me? Maybe he'll bring someone to mind. Pray for them. Maybe he'll bring someone and a word to mind. Continually be available to the Holy Spirit that he can use you to edify, to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort those around you in the various um, spheres that you are a part of. 
Number two, serve one another. Serving is how I can love. Galatians 5 verse 13 to 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we are called to serve. And my service might not look the same as someone else's service, but my heart should be one of service I'm wanting to serve you even with however God has graced me however God has gifted me let me let him use me to serve you in that manner we see this in 1 Peter 4 10 where it says as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God I want to ask you are you using the gift that God has given you? Are you using it to encourage and strengthen and bless those around your life? You see, we aren't given the gifts for ourselves. The gift that God has given me is not for me. The prophetic gift God has given me is actually not for me. It's for you. It's for the body of Christ. It's to be used so that the body of Christ can grow up. The body of Christ can be strengthened. The body of Christ can be equipped. It's for other people. What gift has God given you? Are you using it to serve other people? Are you using it to serve those that God has brought around you? Be faithful in service. That is a measure of love. And it's like I said, it's not limited to the four walls of a church. It should also be happening in our homes. Am I using my gift to serve my husband? Am I using it to serve my children? Am I using it to serve others that I see during the course of the week? That is what loving my neighbor looks like. Number three, bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Passion Translation says it like this, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. Isn't that beautiful? So we are called to carry each other's troubles and it's not that we have to carry everyone's burdens and get so weighed down with everybody's burdens that we can't even make progress in our own lives. No, it's not that at all. We do need to have boundaries. Um, but let's be honest, some of us have such strong boundaries that we're simply not open to carrying anyone else's burdens. And the Lord Jesus desires that we to walk in love toward each other, willing and ready to bear each other's burdens. Maybe it's about referring and linking to people who can walk together. Maybe it's this one is going through this and you know that one has gone through the same thing and overcame and will actually be really a strength to this other person and it's about linking them you know I remember I had this vision once where I was walking through a field and it was a field with lots of burdens and as I was walking the Lord just said to me Trace not all of not every burden is for you to pick up but you have to pick up the burden that I've called you to pick up yes he was talking about it in the context of prayer burdens but the principle remains here maybe God has brought someone across your path that you can walk a while with and help them to carry their burden and be a strength to them. And maybe you have a grace in that area. And if we all were cognizant of this and just watchful in the body of Christ, the body of Christ would be that much stronger. Amen. Number four, be kind and compassionate to one another. 1 Peter 3 verse 8, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Are you tender-hearted? Are you compassionate to those around you, to those who walk into church on a Sunday, to those, your brothers and sisters in church, those maybe you are in the same cell group, those who you're aware of that are going through something, are you kind-hearted or are you judgmental? toward your leaders even? Are you compassionate and kind-hearted or are you judgmental? You know, it's important that we have one mind and we're compassionate. We're tender-hearted towards each other. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It says, now this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrates, that's doing it, right? Demonstrates affectionate love sympathy and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Let's love one another and demonstrate it in our kindness, in our compassion, in our affectionate love 
And when we're going through something, we'll reap how we've sown. Amen. Number five, admonish and speak truth to one another. Romans 15, 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. This is so important in the church today. This is so important that there's an admonishing of one another in truth and love. That happens. You don't leave it to the pastor to speak truth from the pulpit only. But you're willing to actually admonish one another in love, in humility, speaking truth so that your brother or your sister can walk in the way that you know that they should be walking in. Are you willing and able to speak truth and challenge your brother or sister out of love? Or is your desire for them to like you greater than your fear of God? Is your desire for them to like you greater than your love of them and your desire for them to walk in wholeness and purity and everything that God has for them? See, this is where I think many in the body of Christ trip up. They so desire to be liked by other people in the body of Christ that they're simply not willing to play their role in speaking truth in love, in challenging and speaking truth, admonishing one another, in asking that brother or sister in Christ, why are you living with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Why are you doing X, Y, or Z? Why do you go out and get drunk on a Saturday night and come back and come to church on a Sunday and pretend that everything is fine why do you do that what does the word say let's go and look at the word why are you doing this why are you doing that why do you speak like this why do you use foul language you know actually asking and challenging and saying can you enlighten me shining the light so that they can see that they're going astray in terms of God's standards that's true love when I'm willing to challenge you and that is more important to me that I am straightened toward God and I love and I fear God. I want to be obedient to his word more than I want you to like me. So important. This is what we need in the body of Christ. Romans 15, 14 and the NET. But I myself am fully convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Are you able to instruct your brother or sister? Are you able to do that? You see, another challenge we have in terms of loving one another is that some people are biblically illiterate, biblically illiterate and are not pursuing discipleship in the word of God. So they are not able to instruct another fellow believer because they're not actually sure what the Bible says about certain, certain situations. We need to be growing in the word so God can use us to be salt and to be light and to instruct and to admonish and to guide and to encourage and to exhort in line with the word of God. Are you able to instruct a fellow brother or sister concerning something in the word, especially as it relates to everyday life? This is so important. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. That's not receiving admonishment only from the pastor on a Sunday or only in a private counseling session. This is one another. This is what love looks like. When I'm able to speak to you, you're able to speak to me. We're able to engage at that level. And I love what Ephesians 4.25 says. It says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Speak truth, traffic in truth. That is no deception. Flattery is a form of deception, people. Flattery is it's ugly. I hate flattery. Please don't flatter me. I don't want to be flattered. It's horrible. It's, it's deception. It's, it's fake love with a hook. You're doing it because you want something from the person that you're flattering. You want their love. You want their approval. And you're being dece deceiving in order to get that. It's not from God. 
Colossians 3 9 says do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds speak the truth to one another that is loving that is a loving thing to do James 5 9 do not grumble against one another brethren lest you be condemned behold the judge is standing at the door so I must even as I must I don't I don't want people to be deceitful and to flatter. We also don't want people to grumble against because that's also deceptive. It's you're not actually or I'm not actually willing to go and speak truth to the person, to go and actually speak to them about what they're doing or what they're saying that I have a problem with, but I'm wanting to hide from them. That's deceptive hide from them. I'm afraid of telling them. I'm afraid of confronting them. I'm afraid of being a peacemaker, but I'm wanting to grumble about it and gossip about it to everybody else. No, that should not be the case. Please, if you have a problem with myself or my husband, don't grumble and bring division in the church. Come and speak to us about it. Amen. Don't grumble about each other. Don't grumble about your spouse. Don't grumble about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Go and speak to them about the issue that you have with them. 1 John 1 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's walk in the light. Let's walk in truth. Let's be open and be honest and transparent in accordance with the word of God. That is loving our neighbor. The next one, submit to one another. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Be clothed with humility for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit to one another. Submit to the word of God that is shared by one another in your small groups. Be open, be repentant, be willing to change where we need to change, where you need to change in accordance with the word of God. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another in the fear of God. We're meant to submit to one another in accordance with the word of God. I'm not talking about all women must submit to all men. No, I'm talking about a biblical submitting one to another in accordance with the word of God. The next one, meet with one another. That is how I love my neighbor. I'm sub- that is how I love the Lord. I'm obeying his word. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of us together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Meeting together. That's part of loving your neighbor. Meeting with one another. Fellowshipping with one another. Talking with one another. Being expressing affection and love. Encouraging one another. That is praying for one another, um, exhorting, instructing one another. That is part of loving our neighbor, meeting together, engaging in fellowship. This is a standard from the Lord. Next one, be hospitable to one another. 1 Peter 4.9, it says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. I'm wanting to encourage us. Let's open up our homes and be hospitable. Have a strategy. Have a list. We've got a list of people that we want to we wanna meet with. We want to build relationally. And every week we meet, we're hospitable. We meet with people in our home. We have a meal with people in our home. Be hospitable without grumbling. Invite people into your home. That's a loving thing to do. Amen. Next one, forgive one another. That is love expressing itself in a powerful weapon of war, forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I want to challenge you today. Is there someone in the body of Christ, maybe a past leader, past elder? Maybe there's a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe, maybe it's an ex-spouse. Okay, it's someone, you know, the Bible says that we are to give even as God in Christ forgave us. I want to challenge us today. Let's make sure that we're living our lives in accordance with the standard of love that Christ has given us. And one of those things that he requires us to do is to forgive even as we have been forgiven. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also forgive. Amen.
Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. We need this more in the body of Christ, a bearing with one another. To be a long suffering with one another, a patience with one another. None of us are perfect. Okay, walking in gentleness and lowliness. I love this, the next one, honor one another. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Honor one another in all the various forms that it looks like. Maybe if you can see someone wants to park there and you, you want to park there, let them take the parking. Honor one another. If you're walking in to church and you can let someone else walk in before you, honor them. If you are somewhere and you're wanting to take food, maybe you're at home, honor someone else. Let them take before you. Give honor to one another. Place weight on those around you in all the multiple practical ways that you can do. 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people. People. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. We have a challenge today where so many believers that used to attend and used to gather and meet with the saints and they've stopped gathering, they've stopped meeting, they've stopped get, going to church. Maybe they were wounded, maybe they were hurt, maybe they're carrying unforgiveness and the love of the family of believers has dried up. And they become sitting ducks for the enemy. They become uh, someone alone and in solitary um, and easy prey for the enemy to pick off. No, we must love the family of believers. You know, Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his church. Is it perfect? No. Are there issues? Yes. Do we all believe the same thing? No. But guess what? He still loves his church. And he wants us to love the family of believers, to love his church. You don't have to like everyone, but love them. Amen. Love is a choice. James 4 verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. I want to challenge us concerning this. Not to speak evil of your brother or sister in Christ. Don't speak evil of your spouse or your child. Don't speak evil of your leader or a fellow church or another leader. Don't do that. Don't speak evil of one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Amen. Another one. Do not envy one another. Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is a biggie, I think, in the church. Don't envy what your brother or sister in Christ has. Don't envy their success. Don't envy their bank balance. Don't envy their car. Don't envy their calling, their ministry. Love on them and let God bless you with what he has for you because what he has for you will be the most fulfilling thing that you can have in this life. Let's genuinely celebrate the success of others. You know, I remember once helping a fellow athlete and offering to help them. And someone said to me, but why are you helping her? Because she's going to get faster and then she's going to get, maybe she'll get as fast as you. And I just said to that person, I said, her getting faster or her being slower makes no difference to my speed. It doesn't make me faster if I make her slower. I must genuinely celebrate her success. No, if she gets faster, that's awesome. Maybe God will bless me. Maybe God will help me. Or maybe she'll be a competition and I can really get faster because I'll have some type of competition. Let's genuinely celebrate the success of others. Amen. Next one, love one another with a pure heart. 1 Peter 1.22, since you've purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently, fervently with a pure heart. And young people, this is especially the opposite sex if you are single. Love each other with a pure heart. Love each other without a hook. Love each other not wanting to get something in return. Love each other with a pure heart. That love that I read about in 1 Corinthians 13 at the beginning of this message. That kind of love. Amen. 
1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And this one, of course, 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You see, in the church, when we truly love one another, that love covers over the multitude of sins. This is where the church rises in power when she walks in this kind of love. This is where the church uh, rises in power and unity and forgiveness can thrive because there's this type of love and there's no place for unforgiveness and divisions and competitiveness and strife and backstabbing. Amen. Walking in love. Next one, pray for one another. James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. These are so important, these particular things, and that we pray for one another. Pray for one another. I want to challenge you. How often do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? How often do you pray for those in your church? I hope you have a prayer strategy where you pray for them every week. I hope that you don't just go by your feelings. I hope that you don't just have felt lead poisoning and you tell me, no, I pray for them when I feel lead. And then I ask you, well, how often do you feel lead? And you like scratch your head and you're like, uh, I think I prayed for them last in December. No, we don't, we have a strategy where we do it because it's in, God has instructed us to do it. So we do it regularly. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those were the particular scriptures that I wanted to look at in terms of instructions for how I can love my neighbor and in brothers and sisters in Christ. And now I'm going to move on to a few other categories and there are fewer scriptures in these next categories. But for all these next categories that I'm going to be looking at, the scriptures and the standards that I've just covered still apply. So right now I'm going to look at my spouse and what does the word say about how I can love my spouse. And even as I look at these scriptures, please bear in mind the ones that I've just covered because they still apply. And also bear in mind that all of these points and scriptures that I've given you uh, right now are not meant to be exhaustive. So you can go to the Bible and do your own study and you will find many more instructions from God in terms of how we can express love to our neighbor. Right now, looking at my spouse, how I can show love to my spouse and how what the standards are for loving my spouse the first one is honor giving honor to my spouse 1 peter 3 7 husbands dwell with them with your wives with understanding giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your praise may not be hindered so husbands god instructs you to give honor to give weight to your wives, dealing with them with understanding. Now, that will be an, a great exploration for you uh, to do. How can you honor your wife? What does that honor look like? Um, and, I'm, and I don't have time to go into the specifics, but it'll be really great to sit down with your wife and actually agree on certain things. In the passionate, Passion Translation, it says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, honor your wives. Yes, wives honor your husbands, of course, but I was looking at that particular scripture. Number two, respect and submission. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, not to every man, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Submit to your husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In everything and I know that wives can be a bit um, tricky with this one 
I'm talking about submitting in the light in every aspect. I'm not talking about face value submission and behind the scenes you do something anyway without your husband's knowledge. I'm not talking about face value submission and meantime in your heart you're not submitted and you're trying to manipulate him to do what you want him to do. You're putting pressure on him to do what you want to do. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying submit to your husbands. Just today we had a discussion where I was saying to my husband, I don't like this particular arrangement. I don't like the control that it has over us. I, my preference is to get out of it, but I will honor and submit to your decision. And my husband says, okay, well, we're going to stay in this particular arrangement. What must I do? I need to make sure that I'm still submitted to him. So he's decided that we will remain in that particular arrangement. I will submit to that. I won't try and subverse and underneath, try and shape and change and manipulate and do things behind the scenes. No, I submit to him. I've told him my preference. And he said, well, I see your preference, but we're going to still do it this way. So I have to submit to him. And there's protection for me in that respect and submission. And in doing that, I'm honoring him. That's how I show my honor to him. Ephesians 5.33, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so wives, we respect our husbands. We submit to our husbands. That's how we show them honor. Number three, love. Spouses, we love each other. Ephesians 5, 25 to 28, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that is quite a big standard. And you know what? When a husband loves his wife in this particular manner, the wife will find it, should find it really quite easy to submit and respect and honor him when he loves her in this particular manner. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So as Christ loved the church, our husbands to love their wives. Titus 2, 4-5. Then they can urge, the older woman can urge the younger woman to love their husbands and children. Be self-controlled and pure. Be busy at home. Be kind. Be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This is how I love my neighbor in loving my husband. Amen. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another. I'm talking, this is sexual deprivation. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So in this particular way, in the, in the context of marriage, this is a way that we can love each other, not depriving each other. Amen. And maybe for many of you, maybe you don't do marriage counseling. For those that do do marriage counseling, you will probably concur with what I'm about to say. Maybe you won't realize this. But if I were to ask someone who does a lot of marriage counseling, take for instance my husband, these scriptures that I've covered above all of them, not just the ones that I put under the section on husbands and wives, but from loving our brother and sister in Christ. If all of these scriptures were implemented and lived out in Christian marriages, I dare say that most of the issues presenting themselves in the marriage counseling room, in the marriage counsel, counseling setup wouldn't be there. God's word is such a good foundation to build all of our lives upon. Most of the counseling sessions that we experience in, in terms of marriage counseling, if these things were implemented, if people walked in obedience to the word of God, many of them wouldn't, they wouldn't come and arrive for a marriage counseling session. There would be no need. That is how powerful the word of God is when we build our lives upon it. Three, I need to love my parents. Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is talking about children who are below, uh, who are not adults. So children who are still under the care of their parents. Children, obey your parents for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. My husband and I were also uh, alluding to this particular 
scripture early, earlier today. Even as adults, yes, we may, not, we may not have to obey our parents. The nature of the relationship changes, but we give honor to our parents. We give honor to what they say. No, we don't have to do uh, what they tell us to do because we're adults, but we give honor to what they say. We give honor to them, what their needs, uh, to, to their lie. We, give, we place honor. That's how we show love. That's how we show love to them in terms of scripture and the standard of love from scripture. Number four, my children. Ephesians 6 verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So that is a loving thing to do. Discipline is the loving thing for a parent to do. A parent, I was saying this to one of my sons, I am not primarily called to be your friend. I am primarily called to be a parent. And right now, my concern is not that you like me. My concern is that I'm faithful to what God has called me to do as a parent, which is to teach you, to train you, to admonish you, to instruct you, and to make sure that you walk in the right path for your life. Amen. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their child. But the one who loves their child is careful to discipline him. It's important that we discipline our children. It's important that we put consequences in place for their behavior. That we don't just speak to them and let them continue doing what they're doing that we know is evil like Eli did. Eli spoke to his sons. Hophni and Phinehas said, no, what you're doing is wrong. But his sons continued to do what he told them not to. And as a result, that whole, there was a consequence from the Lord. Okay, his sons died and he died. His lineage ended. So it's important that we don't just speak to our children, but that we actually discipline them in a manner that is age appropriate, allowing them to experience consequences so that they can understand that the way that they're going is incorrect. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. So disciplining our children is a loving thing to do. And another thing I want to discuss in terms of children and parents, 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Now I am ready to visit you for the third time and I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I'm saying this specifically because of something we see in the in the culture that is on this in, a, in the culture on this continent, Proverbs thirteen twenty two: A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. There's something dysfunctional that we see on this continent, where instead of wealth being saved up for the next generation and the next generation and, and being passed down that way, there's somehow a grabbing of the wealth from the next generation by the previous generation. And I'm going to give an example of this. And yes, it may be contentious, but I'm speaking the truth. Please, parents, when your children get married and there's labola being paid, do not make it so exorbitant that you're setting up your children in debt. From the start of their marriage, they're in debt because the price that you're making them pay at the start of their marriage is ridiculous. Don't do that. It's unbiblical. The Bible says that parents should, should save up for their children. There's a transfer of wealth that way. There's not a transfer the other way. There's not a grabbing of wealth from the previous generation of the next generation. No, there's a giving. There's a generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the heart of a parent to set up their children, not to take from. Now, if children desire out of their own, the honor in their own hearts to bless and honor their parents in a certain manner, that's a separate story. But I'm dealing with the heart of a parent wanting wanting to take from the net. That's unbiblical. That's unbiblical. Parents saving up to give and to bless the next generation. Amen. Number six, authority. How do I 
walk in love toward authority. Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except by God's appointment and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So I want to encourage us, be submitted to authority. Don't cheat on your tax. Don't cheat on this. Don't cheat on that. Don't try and get away with this and that and that and say, oh, well, I'm a Christian and I can just do this. I'm living the rest of my life in submission to the word of God. But in this, I'm just a bit underhanded. I'm going to pay this bribe. I'm going to do that. No, in all of our lives, we are upright. We walk in truth and we submitted to authority. That is how I walk in love towards my brothers and sisters who are in authority. Number seven, leaders in the church. And this is the final one. One 1 Timothy 5.17 Elders who provide effective leadership must be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard in speaking and teaching. And I know this can look like it's self, whatever, it's, it's does something for me. But quite honestly, it doesn't matter what you think. That is in the word of God. These are not my words. Those are Paul's words to Timothy. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Elders who provide effective leadership must be counted worthy of double honor. You see, in the Bible, there's honor. We give honor to everyone. And to some people, the Bible instructs us to give double honor. You can go and do that as research to figure out who are the people that God requires us to give double honor to. But one of the groups of people that we are to give double honor to our leaders in our church, especially those who do who work hard in speaking and in teaching. And so that is a loving thing to do. So I want to encourage you, go through all of these different uh, levels of relationship that I've touched on today. Go through all of these scriptures that I've touched on today, and especially the scriptures in the first portion. Try and apply them to all of the other um, different uh, um, levels of relationship that I touched on. Okay, so let me quickly conclude and then I will pray. So today we were looking at the second part of the commandment that Jesus touched on when he was answering the scribe's question concerning the greatest commandment of all. And Jesus said to this particular scribe that the greatest of all commandments is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And today we were looking at some of the ways we can love our neighbor, love our neighbors as ourselves. And we looked at some scriptures that give us a clear standard in terms of loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, our spouses, our parents, our children, loving authority, loving leaders in the church, just as some different levels of relationship that we can apply in terms of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And I want to encourage us, let's use the word of God as the standard for what loving our neighbor truly looks like. And as we obey God's word in this manner, in our relating to these different um, levels of relationship, we are showing our love for the Lord, even as we are truly loving our neighbor. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray today, Lord, for a grace to walk in love toward our neighbor, for a grace to walk in obedience to your word in our relationships, Father, at all different levels. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the standard that it gives us. We thank you that it is true, that it is unchanging, that it is absolute, Lord. May it bear fruit in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.